Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This week we'll be studying chapter 3 of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. May this study equip you to follow our Lord in faithfulness, and may you continue to grow in your love for Him and His Word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of the Village Chapel or discover more resources like this one, visit thevillagechapel.com. Now, here's Pastor Jim. Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotion. Hey, we're walking through Ephesians together, Monday through Friday, about 15 to 20 minutes a day, chapter a week, six weeks in a row. And uh, I hope you'll take the time to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And perhaps there'll be somebody you want to share this with, somebody you know that might benefit from a study through the book of Ephesians. Or today, in particular, we're going to be looking at an introduction to the second of the Apostle Paul prayers that is contained in this ancient New Testament letter we call Ephesians. I remember once uh, before we started the Village Chapel, uh, a fairly well-known and prominent Christian, we had an opportunity to to spend a few minutes with this person. Um, I'll I'll not mention the person by name, but um, I just want to tell you how meaningful it was to us. This person prayed for us knowing that we were going to uh, start a church, that we were considering that. And uh, I love what this person prayed for us about. Uh, and it was a little, took me a little bit by surprise, actually. It was all about um, our character and our um, uh, heart before God, our motives. Um, and he, real concerned about all of that. Not so much concerned that we would have the big church and the buzz church and the, the, the it church or whatever you want to call it, but really concerned for us on the spiritual level about um, uh, what God would be doing in our hearts as much as through our lives and through the church. And that meant so much to me. Um, let's take a look at the Apostle Paul's prayer for the saints at Ephesus and, and I think this prayer applies to, uh, applies to us as well. Verse 13 goes just like this. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf. Remember, this is him setting up his prayer. He's not started praying yet. So therefore, I ask you, all you saints in Ephesus, don't lose heart, okay, at my tribulations on your behalf. What tribulation? Well, the apostle Paul's writing this from a prison cell likely in Rome. And the church at Ephesus, they knew about what was going on. They knew he was trapped in prison on their behalf, the fact that he had preached the gospel in the Roman Empire, and um, that a lot of folks had stirred up some trouble for him. He left many cities with a lumpy head because they stone, threw stones at him, rocks at him, tried to leave him for dead. And he was persecuted in many different ways for preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And so there are a lot of Gentiles at this ancient church in Ephesus. And they knew him really well. He spent three years there. And so as he writes to them, um, he knows they might be discouraged for the fact that he's suffering in a prison cell. And he wants to, he's so other-centered, he's so selfless in his letter, that he wants them to know that his suffering, his tribulations are actually for their glory at the end of verse 13. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. That's just so mind-blowing to me. That's just so selfless of him. I'm both challenged and encouraged by that. 
um, I'm challenged because I know there are a lot of Christians around the world that suffer greatly. The persecuted church, um, we pray for it every single week at the Village Chapel. Um, so grateful for ministries like the Voice of the Martyrs that keep us informed about the persecuted church around the world. And then we include uh, uh, one of the nations each and every week. We pray for the Christians in, in, in all kinds of different countries that are suffering, really suffering persecution, um, not just marginalization, not just being ridiculed, but actually suffering, uh, much like the Apostle Paul who was suffering. He was in chains, and he was telling the, the, the saints that he's writing to, hey, my tribulations, uh, this is on your behalf, but it's, but it's for your glory. It's that you might see the glory of God at work even in my suffering. What, what an attitude toward suffering. As he ramps up to this prayer, he's setting the scene for them and he wants them not to lose heart. And then the second thing he wants to, he, you know, don't lose heart, he says, and then also re, he redefines tribulation, doesn't he? Because it's not just him saying, oh, look at my injustices, this is terrible, complain, complain, complain. Um, but he tells them not to be discouraged because he's suffering. And it's just amazing that he can do that. Uh, again, so others-centered. And he wants them to see it a complete tribulation and suffering a completely different way. This is the God, the Apostle Paul is essentially saying and, and says throughout his writings, who turns crucifixions into resurrections. And so whatever you're suffering, whatever the Apostle Paul was suffering, whatever we're suffering, whatever our suffering might look like, he's going to continually remind us that this is the God that turns tribulations into glory. So we always look at the cross through the lens of the empty tomb. And we always look at crucifixions through this idea that this is the God who can raise the dead. By the way, verses 14 through 19 are one of those run-on sentences by the Apostle Paul. Again, he's king of the run-on sentence. Um, and his second prayer here is going to ask at least six things. We'll get to that in the next episode. But for right now, all I wanted to do was introduce this prayer. Um, it's a lot like the prayer that the Lord Jesus prayed uh, or taught his disciples to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. How so? Let me show you in verse, uh, verse 15 and 16. <clears throat> he says, um, I ask you, first of all, verse 13, not to lose heart of my tribulations in your behalf for they are for your glory. Verse 14, rather, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. All right, just like the Lord Jesus started his prayer. He said, our Father who art in heaven. He taught his disciples how to pray. And that's how he began with the Father, right? The Apostle Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you dot, dot, dot. And I'm going to leave that right there because that's verse 16 and he starts the prayer. And I, I, want, I want that to be part of our uh, what we look at in our next episode. But today, just the ramp up, okay? He wants to, first of all, Tell them not to lose heart. Remind them not to do that. That there's a completely uh, glorious uh, outcome uh, that will follow his sufferings and his tribulation. 
And the Lord is going to work that in them, and he's going to pray to that end. But verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Wow. So just like Jesus, he begins with his gaze, his attention, if you will, fixed on not himself, not even the Ephesians, but on the Father. And he's humbling himself before the Father. That's so powerful. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, where there, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray what we call the Lord's Prayer, um, he teaches them to refer to God as Father, Abba, Father. This would have been quite unusual for first century Jews. They would have thought of God perhaps as Father in the sense of creator, but very much transcendent God, almighty God, God to be feared, not the kind of intimacy that the term Abba, the title Abba, um, would bring to mind. Jesus really recasts, reframes, re, um, uh, sets their view of God. I think it's 12 times in just chapter six alone, he teaches his disciples to think of God as Abba, Father. And here the apostle Paul is doing the same thing for these saints at the ancient church of Ephesus, whether they're Gentiles who have become Christians or Jews who had been converted to Christianity. Begin with your gaze set on the Father. Remind yourself of who it is you're praying to. Almighty God, the Father who has drawn near. He's so, the juxtaposition is almost postmodern, isn't it? It's almost just unpredictable and wild, isn't it? That Almighty God could also be Father to us. Wow. It's one of those really amazing juxtapositions. Blows your mind, gets your heart beating. That's who we're talking to. That's who the Apostle Paul was praying to on the behalf of this ancient church that could so easily have been discouraged by his condition, him being in prison. They might have been fearful about what was going to happen to them at some point. If Paul was imprisoned because of the gospel, because he believed in Jesus, because he trusted in God who can raise the dead, what might happen to them as well once the mighty Roman Empire um, and the authorities of the Roman Empire were to find out that they weren't worshiping, falling down, bowing before Caesar, but had also trusted Christ? Well, Paul goes on, he says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And that's, the, that's just a great position for prayer. Um, do you have to pray on your knees all the time? No, you can pray anywhere you are. If you're driving your car right now, you could pray. Um, you can even pray, I hope you'll pray with your eyes open if you're driving your car. Um, <laughs> but bowing our head, um, 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 bending our knees, bowing before God, uh, lifting up our hands or folding our hands in prayer, lifting up the empty hands of faith, we say that so often. These physical, uh, uh, the, the, the postures are symbolic of what we, we hope is going on in our hearts that we're opening ourselves up before God to receive from him. We're um, um, casting ourselves before him in humble submission, knowing that he's God, that he's almighty, that he knows everything we don't. And, and we want 
his will. Even when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's a, a humbling there, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's a, you know, I'll always just pray right along with Jesus. I'm so glad that we we say the Lord's Prayer each and every Sunday at the Village Chapel together. And when I hear the saints praying that prayer together, I'm, I'm so uh, edified and built up myself and encouraged myself at who we are all praying to and um, and how we are, the posture that we come before the Father. And uh, I just I just love that. And so even as we ramp up this prayer, which we'll again get into in the next episode, so I hope you'll make sure and be with me on that one. But I want you to remember, he says here, I bow my knees before the Father, verse 14 and verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So there we get a little more, um, a little more of an answer to who does he pray to? Well, he prays to the Father, but it's the Father um, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Every family on in heaven and on earth. You know what that means? Literally all of creation. Again, it's it's that same start when you launch your prayer. Every single prayer. I think it's a great way to start a prayer, reminding yourself. Um, of who God is, who you're coming before to talk to, who you're speaking to, who you're going to present your requests to as you pray, who you're going to cry out to for help, for mercy, for wisdom, for guidance. Oh yeah, that's a great way to start any prayer. And that's why I wanted to spend the entire episode today, just setting up the prayer as we find the Apostle Paul doing in verses 13, 14, and 15 of Ephesians chapter three. We'll get into the prayer tomorrow. Let me close with a couple of quotes. Karl Barth, a very uh, significant uh, theologian of the 20th century said, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. I just, I, that that may be my favorite Karl Barth quote ever. I wanna say it one more time, just in case you missed it. It'll be in the show notes if you're able to download those, but to clasp the hands in prayer. In other words, just to begin to pray, just to start, to get our hearts ready, is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Is there disorder in your world? There certainly is in the world at large, no question about that. Um, whether you're talking about the human trafficking problem, the scourge that that is in our modern day world, that there are so many millions, close to 30 million, caught up in human, it breaks my heart, it's so wrong. And I want to clasp my hands as, as a beginning of the uprising against all that disorder. But I have disorder in my own personal heart, and my own personal mind, and you might as well. And to clasp your hands in prayer, I think Bart's right, is, is this beginning of your uprising. That's to turn it all over to God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, on earth in my life, your life as well. That's a great quote by Karl Barth. 
Another way that I think we can be helped uh, in when we think about prayer is from an old Scottish preacher named William Barclay. He's got an interesting series of commentaries, uh, and I, I really enjoy uh, reading them. He does a lot with historical facts. Um, but William Barclay, he says this about prayer. Prayer is not a way of making use of God. Prayer is a way of offering ourselves to God in order that he should be able to make use of us. It may be that one of our great faults in prayer is that we talk too much and listen too little. That's profound right there, but I gotta go on and finish the quote. When prayer is at its highest, we wait in silence for God's voice to us We linger in his presence for his peace and his power to flow over us and around us. And we lean back in his everlasting arms and feel the serenity of perfect security in him. Oh, man. Ah, that that quote alone uh, just has done so much for my own prayer life. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read it again because uh, I've got just a little bit of time left here before I let you go. Prayer is not a way of making use of God. Let this sink in. Prayer is a way of offering ourselves to God in order that he should be able to make use of us. It may be that one of our great faults in prayer is that we talk too much and listen too little. When prayer is at its highest We wait in silence for God's voice to us. We linger in his presence for his peace and his power to flow over us and around us. And we lean back in his everlasting arms and feel the serenity of perfect security in him. So said William Barclay, the ancient Scottish, or the old uh, Scottish preacher. Lord, bless uh, this, these few verses Uh, leading up to this prayer of the Apostle Paul. I thank you for uh, our older brother Paul. I thank you for his prayers on behalf of the saints at Ephesus. And I pray, Lord, as, um, as, as we've all just meditated on these three verses, that you'll stir us up in our own prayer life to place ourselves before you, that you might make use of us. Yes, Lord, that would be Awesome. And that our clasping our hands would indeed be an uprising of all the disorder that's in our own lives and all around us as well. Lord, pour your glory uh, into and through even our tribulations, even as the Apostle Paul uh, saw it himself. We pray this all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or following us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.